The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Do you know, for years, a lot of babies would die straight after childbirth. And the reason they die straight after childbirth was not because they weren't born healthy, but the doctors that delivered or the midwives that delivered weren't healthy themselves. And so there was no concept of washing your hands. If you've gone from a patient, you got germs on your fingers to go deliver a baby. And babies were were dying at a huge rate of not simply because doctors weren't taught that you've got to wash your hands when you go from one patient to another. As soon as that message was given, that message was heeded, babies weren't dying straight after birth. Uh, Dr. Joseph Lister then discovered that if you wash with antiseptic, you go to another level. How many of you nurses understand that when you use antiseptic, you actually kill the germs? And, and so now every doctor that operates, you watch them. They uh, not only wash their hands, but they wash with an antiseptic, which is a germ-killing agent to make sure that germs aren't passed. And it's just this whole mindset that people in the Middle Ages didn't have, that there are little creatures called germs. How many of you are germaphobes? Ah, I, you know, germaphobes, you wash your hands a million times and, and, um, and then when you've finished washing your hands, you use the, uh, the, the, uh, the cloth to open the door of the bathroom. How many of you do that? Or use your little finger to open the door. Or, yeah, just germaphobes. I, I know who you are. Uh, I, I share your pain. Anyway, uh, here's another discovery that people have made that have benefited and some people still have not discovered the internet. How many of you are enjoying the internet right now? <laughs> You're on Facebook right now or emailing, yeah? Come on, nah. <laughs> Put it away. I'm taking notes, Pastor. I know what you're doing. You're on Facebook. That's what you're doing. The message gets boring. Facebook comes out. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Fact is that the internet gives us access to amazing information. I mean, you've got God who's omniscient, and then you've got the internet. You've got Google. That's next. And uh, (laughs) the, the, the beauty of Google... It's, it's actually removed. You know those guys at parties that come up with the most, you know, just extreme uh, statistics and everybody goes, nah. And they go, yeah. Now, let's ask Google. Uh, how many of you know that's done something right there? That's, that's removed that exaggeration guy right out of the party. I love that. But there's a lot of people that just don't know how to access the internet. My mother is one of those people that just... So I'm her internet. She'll phone me up and say, where's this and what's that? And she thinks I'm, I know everything. It's, an, it's amazing. So I, I just sit at the computer and just press a couple of buttons. And I says, oh, mum, this is what happened. How do you know that? Just do. <laughs> oh, I tell you the thing that I really like. One of the greatest inventions is flight. How many of you... Love the fact that you now can get in a plane and in 24 hours you're in Europe. My favorite part of the world. I love Europe. You know, it took my mum six weeks to get here by boat in 1958. Six weeks. Just now, 24 hours, kaboom. 
we're there. It's awesome. But some people just can't fly. They just are afraid of flying. They just have not yet worked out the, the law of uh, aerodynamics and how flight works. And so the very thought of flying scares them and they'd rather walk or swim than fly. And so you're missing out. You're missing out. There are so many people that, that are missing out maybe because they can't access the revelation or maybe it's because they just don't believe the revelation. And I want to say to you that 2,000 years ago, angels came to give the greatest message that's ever been given to this world. And you can either believe it and enjoy the benefits or discard it and miss out on the benefits. And this morning, I'm just going to talk to you about the message, the message, the message that the angels gave. Are you ready? Here it is. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. It says, now, there were in the same country. Why don't we read a couple of verses before? Because I think this is, this is awesome. It says, uh, Joseph also came, verse 4, from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country, this is Bethlehem, this is the countryside of Bethlehem, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. How many of you love that old Christmas carol, while angels wash their socks by night? (laughs) Sorry about that. Just the dad jokes keep sort of coming. It's comes with old age. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Have you ever asked the question, why did God pick shepherds to give this amazing announcement to? I'm I'm, I'm talking about angelic, angelic messages. Can you picture this? Angels coming from heaven to declare that today in the city of David, a savior was born. Why pick shepherds of all people? Shepherds. I, I, I mean, why not pick pizza cooks? Why not pick, you know, why not pick, you know, camel herders? Why, why not pick, you know, the mayor of the town? Why not pick, why shepherds? Well, I did a bit of research on this. And this is what I discovered, that these shepherds were not just ordinary shepherds, The shepherds that lived at this part of the world near Bethlehem, just close to Jerusalem, were shepherds that actually looked after the sacrificial lambs for the temple. So these were special shepherds, and their whole duty in life 
was not to just raise ordinary lambs, but to raise up the sacrificial lambs. And they were specially trained to raise up lambs that were perfect, lambs that could be used for the sacrifice. Research, and you can research this yourself and just go to templestudy.com and you can read this yourself. Dr. Richard Hasselfell and Dr. Alfred Edersheim years ago came across that, uh, that these shepherds actually were based at what's called the Tower of the Flock, Migdal Edar. That was their home base, the Tower of the Flock. And what they would do at this at this base, it was like a stable. It was like a it was it was like a center where they would bring the sheep in, and the sheep would give birth in this stable to the sacrificial lambs. And these shepherds, what they would do when the sacrificial lamb was born, would 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 want to protect them, and they'd wrap them up in swaddling clothes. And, uh, and so here they were, this one particular night, watching over the sacrificial lambs. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Hey, this day in the city of David is born a Savior. And you will find him. You will find him. And I love this. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, feed trough for the sheep. Now, how did they know where to go? How did they know? Because the city of David had probably lots of mangers, but they knew where to go. They went to their home base, to the place where the sheep gave birth to the sacrificial lambs, the sacrificial lambs that were wrapped in swaddling clothes. And there they found the Lamb of God, Wrapped in swallowing clothes. You say, well, where's the proof of this? I, I, look, I don't have the proof. I've just done a bit of research. But boy, it resonates with me. You know, I, 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 I want to believe it to be true. The, look, the other thing that's, that, that to me is just amazing is, is just the, the, the poetry of it all, if you want to, if, if, to, to find a better word. Because he's Joseph, his wife's pregnant. He's wanting to do the best, okay? Best hospital, best everything. He goes, he, he goes to find the best hotel in Bethlehem. He's looking for the Hilton. He's looking for the Sheridan. He's looking for the best hotel. And there's no hotels available. It's almost like God forgot. It's like, oh no. Hey God, didn't you get this sorted? That the baby was going to be born tonight? Didn't you get this sorted? That... They need a nice place for the baby to be born. It's like, no, your first choice isn't my first choice. Well, well, where do we go? And it was like God leading them to the place, this little barn where the sacrificial lambs got born. And there's God's sacrificial lamb. I just find it so pertinent that there are two beholds Behold the Savior. And then another behold that John the Baptist uttered. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And today we have this synergy between the shepherds, the sacrificial lamb, and Jesus, the Lamb of God that came to take away 
the sin of the world. Let's talk about the message. It's a simple message. It's a passionate message. It's a life-changing message. Let's talk about the simple message. For there is born to us this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The message is so simple that everybody can understand it. It's not a complicated message. It's a simple message. You know, I was about six or seven years of age when I began to understand the message. Being brought up in church, a lot of things can go over your head, but not this message. It was so simple that I, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, understood that I had sinned and needed a savior. Now, what happens today is that people are brainwashed into thinking they're all good people. It's like, you know, there's, there's no one that's a sinner. But can I just say that in the first century, especially with the Jewish people that were brought up with the law, the Ten Commandments, they knew they were sinners. They knew that they'd all broken the law. And, and, and somehow what we need to do is to teach people that lying is a sin. Hello? There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as a big lie or a small lie. Lying is lying. You know, this is the thing that I once heard a story of, of, of this little kid, you know, just being found out that he was telling a lie. And so he said to his dad, he said, it's not a, look, dad, it's only a little lie. And he says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go to the big bucket of potatoes and I want you to find me the biggest potato and I want you to find me the smallest potato. Okay, and make sure that you find the biggest and the smallest because if you don't, there'll be trouble. And so he goes into the big barn where all the potatoes were and he finds this huge, great big potato and then he finds on a big potato like a little pimple that was a little, and he breaks the little pimple off, little potato, and so he brings the big potato and the little potato to his dad. And, he's, and his dad says, what have you got? He says, dad, I've got the biggest, biggest potato in the whole barn and I've got the smallest, the very smallest potato in the whole barn. And dad says, okay, that's good. So what have you got? He says, I've got the biggest potato and I've got the smallest potato. And, and then his dad says, okay, take away the adjectives. Take away the describers and what have you got? He says, I've got a potato and I've got a potato. And he says, that's exactly what sin is like. There's, we, we classify things as big sin and little sin, but both of them have the nature of sin. And what happens in our 21st century world, we only classify the big sins as sin. And the little sins, well, we talk about little white lies. We talk about permanently borrowing things. We talk about, you know, we just, we just cover things around and, and, you know, and excuse them. But the fact is, whether it's a big potato or a little potato, they're both potatoes. Whether it's a big sin or a little sin. And this is the point, that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And in first century, first century world, the biggest question that they had was, what must I do to be saved? 
That was the question that they were all looking for the answer to. What must I do to be saved? Today, the big question that people are asking, what must I do to be happy? Well, can I tell you that probably the answer to that question is connected to what must I do to be saved? Because what I've discovered is that when you find salvation, that's when you find true happiness. Because it's deep change on the inside. It's a simple message. It's not a difficult message. You don't have to go to all these different levels. You don't have to come to this level. And now, well, now that you've got this information, you pay a little bit more and we'll give you more information. And now you come to this level, pay a little bit more money, we'll give you more information. Come to this level. And so we keep going from level to level, more and more money until you get the deep, deep secrets. Here it is. Here it is. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Come on, that's it. That's the message. Bottom line, it's simple. And it was made simple so that everybody could understand it. Shepherds, all people could understand it. Let me tell you the second thing about the message is that it's a passionate message. I love this. It's just passionate. It's, it's the passion of God revealed. How beautiful is that, that the passion of God is revealed in this message? The love of God revealed in this message. That out of God's heart of love towards us, he sent his only son. I want you to think about the passion that's connected with sending Jesus. Why is that? Because God created everything. How many of you know that God created everything? I'm a big believer that where there's design, there's creator. So I don't think anything happened by chance. Everything that I see that's got designed was made. The chairs that you're sitting on, they just didn't happen. Someone designed them, someone built them. This whole building here, someone designed it, someone built it. So it's all, it's all to do with design and building. We are the most complicated things. We are designed, we're built. So everything in this world was designed, created by God. The only thing that was not designed and created was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They have always existed. So our foundational belief as a Christian church is that there's one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there was never a stage where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did not exist. They've always existed from the beginning of time to the end of time, and they will always exist. And so... The Son was never created. Son, S-O-N, was never created. The Son has always been with the Father. And so, so what's the significance of that? Well, you know what? God could have sent angels to pay the penalty for our sins. He, he could have created the biggest, the best, the brightest angel and sent him to die for our sins. But the fact is that if God can create one angel like that, he can create two. If he can create two like that, he can create three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And so the more you can create, the less value that it holds. But there was only one son that's always been. And so this is the point that God sent his most precious. That God sent the most valuable that existed. 
the one who was never created. And so when we read in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, because it's quoted so often, it can go straight over the top. Just, But when we compare value, so God so loved you that this is what he was willing to give. Let's stop there for a second. How many of you own a house? Wow, some of you do. How many of you would like to own a house? So, so here's, here's an illustration. You've saved your whole life to buy a house. Now you've got your family in that house and someone kidnaps your firstborn and says this. If you want to see your firstborn again, you need to sell your house and give me the proceeds. And from the proceeds of your house, I will give you your son back or your daughter back. How many of you at a heartbeat would just do it? Why, why, why is that? Because your love for your child is greater than your love for your house. Now, you love your house. Man, you sacrifice for that. But you know what? It doesn't compare to the love for your child. So here's the deal. What's the deal? The deal is that you really know the value of something by what you are willing to give in exchange for it. What are you willing to give in exchange? And that's the way that the whole system of materialism works. Okay, so you want this. What are you willing to give for it? And so you work out what you've got that you're willing to give in exchange. And sometimes you get to a point and say, oh, no way. It's not worth it, man. I, I, I'm working out the value of this and I'm working out the value of what you want for it. And I just can't see the comparison. I don't want it. Because so, can, you, can you start to get the gist of where I'm heading with this? Because when God looks at you, he puts value on you. And what value does he put on you? Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What? That's the value that God puts on you. So valuable that he was willing to give Jesus in exchange for your soul. Don't you underestimate the way that God sees you. Don't you for one instant think that you're just a number, that you're just a name, that you're just one of seven billion people upon this planet. God knows you by name. God knows your DNA. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows everything about you and loves you to such an extent that he was willing to give his son in exchange for your life. Wow. That's the message. It's passionate. It's profound. It's awesome. See, with love always comes the best. See, not only does God love us passionately, but God's got our best in mind. God does not want to limit your life. God wants to maximize your life. You've got to understand this, that when God gives you a direction, it's not to stop you from enjoying life. It's, from, it's to actually enhance your enjoyment of life. There is nothing that God wants more to see in your life that your joy may be complete. Our problem is that we're chasing everything for joy, everything for joy without realizing that joy is only found in obedience to God's word. 
Let, let, me, let me get really controversial for a sec. Are, are you okay for me to get really controversial? Let me talk about sex for a little while. Is it okay if I talk about sex for a little while? Why is that? Because we are bombarded by sex, and too often we don't get to hear it about it in church. God invented sex, but he invented it for marriage. So can I just say to you that the reason that God invented sex was actually to create glue to glue two people together. And so sex is glue that glues two souls together. The two shall become one. And in becoming one, it's through the marriage bed that the two become one. And it's like he's the glue on this person and he's the glue on this person and then they glue together and they become one. Now, this is what happens with the glue. The longer the two stay together as one, the stronger the glue becomes. And so when the glue becomes stronger and stronger, the love becomes stronger and stronger. And when you begin to understand that, then you see when God says you don't commit adultery, you don't commit fornication, because by doing that, you're actually disintegrating the glue. And every time you pull the glue apart, you lose the stickiness. And every time you go and attach with someone else, you actually get glued to them and you get some of their glue upon you. And there are so many people that are walking through life with the glue of every Tom, Dick and Harry on them with their spirits, with their demons. And they're wondering why they are so tormented because simply they've broken God's standard. Where do you hear that? You hear in the media exactly the opposite. What you hear is, "Why you got to chase this?" And 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 can I can I talk to my young men? Come on, if you're a young man, give me give me a wave. Let let me tell you, there is there has never been a generation in the history of mankind that has been exposed to the sort of pornography that you guys have been exposed to. I, I, I just don't know what to say. I just, I, my heart's broken. At just a click of a button, you guys are exposed to the worst images known to man. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, Playboy was the dirty magazine. Folks, the news is Playboy's gone broke. The reason Playboy's gone broke is they can't even compete with the pornography that young guys are exposed to these days. But you know what you're exposed to? You're exposed to lies and deceptions. That's what you're exposed to. You're exposed to stuff that actually demeans women. And the stuff that, that's, that you're exposed to in pornography is not anything close to what real women want. They want a knight in shining armor that will look after them. They want a knight in shining armor that will commit to them for the rest of their lives. They want a knight in shining armor that says, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. You are number one in my life. I will provide for you till I have my last breath in my lungs and I will do everything to make sure that you have the best life. That is what a real man gives to women. 
And when you do that, you're actually able to have a woman say, you know what? That's the sort of man I want for the rest of my life. And then God's wedding gift is the gift of sex, which is the glue to combine you together. And that way you will have an abundant life. 35 years next Sunday is my anniversary, 35 years. I'm talking from experience here, guys. I'm talking about 35 years of marriage and finding that that glue is just stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger because we've never played around with it. It's always been there, stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And 35 years down the track, I end up saying, I love my wife more than I did 35 years ago. We're enjoying life more now than we did 35 years ago. We just love being with each other. We just love each other's presence. There's nobody I'd rather be with than her. She is the love of my life. And I say that with an overflowing heart. And you know what? See, if you've been around our church for 20 years, you've heard me saying it for 20 years. And I'll still keep saying it because it's the way that God meant it to be. Can you hear what I'm saying? That God wants your best. He wants your best at heart. And when he gives you directives, it's not to minimize your joy, it's to maximize it. Hey, life-changing message. It's simple. The life-changing message is salvation and success. It's a two-edged sword. When God gives you this message, yes, it's for salvation, eternal life, your sins forgiven, living in heaven forever and ever, but it's also for success now. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So it's not just eternal life for when you die. It's also success now. God wants you to succeed now and have the best life now. What God does not promise you is that you won't have trials and tribulations. But you know what? Who doesn't have trials and tribulations? Is there anyone on this planet that doesn't have trials and tribulations? It's part of the package deal coming to this planet. But I'll tell you what God does promise you, a way through the trials and tribulations. And not only that, the other thing that God promises you is that he will direct you through it. He will show you a way through it so that you can come out the other end successful. See, it's a simple message. See, it's, it's, this message is for everybody. It's so simple that even a child can understand it. But not only is it a simple message, it's a passionate message coming from the heart of God. And lastly, it's a life-changing message. It'll change your life. It'll give you salvation and success. Timmy, you can come up now. Let me finish by this one story that I want to share with you. How many of you heard of the sinking of the Titanic? How many of you were around when that happened? Okay, well, hey, we might have some elderly people in our church. Jack Phillips was the Titanic's radio operator on that fateful night. He was actually on the radio sending messages to England and America. Passengers paid a lot of money just to get, they didn't have telephone in those days, so the radio was used to communicate. And so the more money you had, And so he was going through a whole list of messages. Titanic that night was doing 22 knots in the dark because the captain of the Titanic wanted to break a record. Not far from where the Titanic was doing 22 knots was another ship, the SS California. 
what had happened is that the captain of the SS California had spotted this huge array of sea ice icebergs. And so what the captain of the California did, shot off his motors and said, it's too dark to navigate through this, let's stop. So he stopped the ship and then went down to the radio operator's room where a guy called Cyril Evans. I love that name, Cyril. Anyone going to name their kid Cyril? Next, next. Anyway, so Cyril Evans is, is on the radio. The captain comes down and he says, he says, listen, we're in a pack of sea ice. Warn all the ships in our vicinity that there's huge icebergs around. Get on the radio and warn them all. And so that's exactly what Cyril did. He started tapping away, warning people. And uh, what happened is that he got across, he got through to Jack Phillips from the Titanic. And because it was a little bit loud, Jack Phillips threw his headphones off, heard the message, but got agitated and then did not communicate the message to the captain. Kept it to himself. Because Jack Phillips kept the message to himself, 1,500 people lost their life that night. 1,500 people. For whatever reason, Jack Phillips didn't communicate the message because he was angry, because he was frustrated, because he didn't think it was important. doesn't matter. The fact is that it doesn't change. 1,500 people lost their life because one person didn't believe the message. Wow. fact is that today I'm sharing a message. It's the most important message that's ever been given to this planet. It was delivered by angels 2,000 years ago. I'm a custodian of this message. At Christmas time, I feel compelled to share it. It's part of my calling to share the message that this day in the city of David was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and He can save us from our sins, give us eternal life forever and abundant life now. And all you've got to do is to confess your sins Believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you and commit yourself to following him. It's as simple as that. And so today, the message is going out. It's the message of salvation. For everyone who believes, you don't have to die in your sins. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have your name written in the book of heaven. What an incredible thing to have your name written in the book of heaven because your sins are forgiven. But you've got to admit that you've sinned. Believe that Jesus died for you and commit yourself to following Him. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.